Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. We still have not found all the tracks, so we're still here. Still I'm Pete. <laughs> I'm Bob. Still digging. Still digging. Still digging. We might always be digging because there's always going to be new tracks, right? So yo, there, therein lies the fun. Yo, for real. I was actually thinking about that today. The idea of like crate digging, right? Like when you go to record stores and you look for records and you pull out stuff and you discover new things, you know? Yeah. The record we're talking about today... It's it's not it's not that it's, you know this is one of the most popular records of all time, but but <clears throat> I want to make sure we we're gonna circle all the way back around to this conversation when we get to one of my favorite segments of the show that we've been not neglecting but semi neglecting recently. So uh, teaser, but before we get into it, how you doing, Pete? I'm doing okay, Bob. Things are good. Good Things day. Things are good. Things are good. Yes, we're uh, approaching the end of seasons. Always a transitional time for us over here at uh, In Search of Tracks HQ. Um, Getting in the final beach days. Yes, yes. Important. Uh, get outside. Lift something heavy. Uh, lay in the sun. Uh, I've, been, I've been trying to lift the heavy thing pretty mm. often, but it, it's tougher now because it's so hot. You know, so hot, so Although hot. I'm somewhat masochistic in that I kind of like it being hot and doing that stuff. But hey, I don't know. Yo, I, I have no problem going out into the heat. For me, it's what my body rejects when I like, yo, it's mid-August. Why am I having an allergy flare up? Like, and my response to it is to then go back outside and like, all right, I'm just going to walk through this. I'm going to like get out, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, maybe good, maybe bad. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out through today's recording. So yeah. um, oh, this is this is kind of a cool. Uh, this is a cool episode. I'm excited we're doing it. Thank you for doing this one with me. Yeah, man. Before we even reveal the record. Um, oh, fuck it. Let's just talk. Today we're doing U2, The Joshua Tree. Yeah. Uh, Bob, no is, this a, is this a big record? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's in the top like 20 highest selling albums of all time it's a big one it's a big it's, boy it's like recognized by the united states as a library a, of congress yeah the library of congress is a culturally <laughs> relevant like <laughs> musical recording so um so here we're gonna hip you guys to this uh, little known uh uk band u2 um yeah, but, support them. Follow yeah, you too on uh, yeah, you Instagram. Know, uh, <laughs> follow their their Bandcamp U two U two U two U two dot Bandcamp dot com. Um, yo, I'm excited to talk about this because largely, I think U two um, both gets all the flowers and none at the same time. True. Is heralded as one of the most important musical acts of modern history but at the same time people don't actually listen to some of the stuff I think is important and this record is both important and transitory and important in a good way and a bad way so I'm super psyched to talk about it um do we really need to talk about who is this band? I don't think we do. The only reason I think... Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, context. Like, Let's give context to. Here's the thing. U two is the band you remember either from seeing at you know the uh, at MSG or Giant Stadium sell it out twenty nights in a row or whatever. Giant giant rock band, biggest band in the world, like almost inarguably. Am I wrong about that? Like, who is bigger than U two from 1990 to 2010? No, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they're probably just that band that put the album on the iPhone that you couldn't get off for a while. Yo, poor, poor form by you two. Poor form, but also like really interesting marketing strategy. You know, I mean, like one of those things that like I hated it and I think most people hated it, but it still yep. had people talking about it. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you have people talking about it, is it necessarily bad? I don't know. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people did listen to it. Who knows? I don't I know. Think a lot it, of people it did. It's a shitty album, though. So hey, straight up shitty album. <laughs> it discouraged me from listening to it because it was kind of annoying. Yeah, and that's the only like negative of it. Because you're right. It is. It got tons of talk. When when did that record come out? Was that 2015, 16? Was it even yeah, before it was something that? like something like that. Like. Yo, who's talking about a U2 record coming out in that time frame? No one. No one. But they're trying to stay relevant. It's like... Trying to stay relevant. Hey, check us out. We're on a phone now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But so we're talking about the Joshua Tree because one, it's an interesting record. Two, as I mentioned, it's transitioning um, up to this point. This is their fifth album, right? Yeah. (sighs) The four records before this are hmm, <laughs> how do how do you explain okay let's let's give some context just so people know u two wasn't the uh your grandpa's favorite band forever. They were sort of an underground thing for a little while and got bigger and bigger through the eighties and basically josh Joshua Tree is the explosion. Would you agree with that? Um, or is it war? I think war is the, expl- I mean, I think they were pretty big by the time this came out. Okay. So war is the record that made them, that popped them. Yeah. Joshua tree, I think cemented them as more than just like, Hey, they, they're, this is a band who's got some tracks. Like, yeah, I don't I know. Mean, like it was, like, it, was cer- it was certainly like a pivotal record for them. Joshua tree. But I think that they were, they were already like playing stadiums and stuff at this point. Correct. That's right. Okay. So th- that's that you're right. They're playing. Cause I think under a blood red sky comes out before Joshua tree. Mm-hmm. And that I was, my, so. that was actually my introduction to, uh, you two, which way, way back. Like first, like, is this one of the first, 10 records I put on myself to listen to? Yeah, probably. Um, so anyways, um, could you call them prior to this a power or not a power, a post-punk band? Yeah. I mean, so my experience with you two is like, please kind of mixed. Um, I, I think I must've heard this record. I mean, honestly, I probably saw something from like Zuropa on, MTV. Oh no, like discotheque or something. Yeah, and like hated it. So <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. was like that was actually my introduction to you two, and I was never <laughs> interested. Yep. And then at some point, I don't know, probably in my twenties, um, someone was like, "No, you should actually listen to this record called Boy." And I was like, "Oh, this is great, actually." Um, so I got into them later and kind of started at the beginning and never went super deep. Um, 
really just the first three records, Boy, October, and War. I yep. don't think I've ever even heard Unforgettable Fire. We need to do that record, by the way. It's the uh, it's the weird one. Okay, yeah. Th- I mean, th- I read about it, and I was like, oh, I actually want to listen to this. But Okay, good. <laughs> um, and then Joshua Tree, I had heard just because it was a record that you had to hear. Correct. Um, but post-punk, yeah. I mean, I think that it was definitely in that lane. Um, it was definitely more aggressive it was post-punk before post-punk had a can like a cauterized sound you know what i mean like it's like okay this isn't punk but it's taking a lot of cues from that style while like kind of putting it in the rock sphere if that makes sense Yeah, for sure i do i do feel like they always kind of had that like it seems to me that they always wanted to be an arena rock band Yes. Like they always had the big choruses and the big parts and it was always big, like bigger than most bands of that, of that ilk, even like the earlier stuff. Um, um even it seemed like they, they almost, it seems like they almost knew what they wanted their trajectory to be from like the, the jump, you know? I agree. Um, and I mean, yes, yes. I mean, war leads off with Sunday, bloody Sunday. That's still a giant song. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's 1983. So, yes. Um, I would say... So, when I when I think about early U2, I think they get lost in the shuffle in this weird way. And this is kind of setting the tone of the conversation a little bit to me. And sort of what Joshua Tree symbolizes to me. Because I think War just got big because it just was a big record and just... Had a lot of punch. I could probably talk about that more. But if you go Boy, October, War, that band, that version of U2, if they break up after War, I think they're heralded in a lot of circles in the same way in reverence that The Cure are or that the Smiths are, or Morrissey in general, in this like, yo, you know, okay, so you two's an Irish band, but but they the the broader <laughs> British Isles, if you will, <sighs> they were cool. They had their own sound. They had hits and hits, but so did the cure, you know? But the cure never became the biggest band in the world. And you two fucking did. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, but the cure didn't want it. You know, didn't I mean, want it, and and I at some point it becomes really clear. So here's the question: Is it clear on war that they want it? I don't know. It's clear they want to be big. It's clear they're like happy to write hits, but like I think Boys Don't Cry comes out in '81, maybe '82. You know, like that's a hit. That's a bop. You know, hit. Yeah. Sunday Blaze Sunday, a hit. A little different, but still, like both those are bops. Those are soundtrack songs at this point i think joshua tree is the hey you know that shit we were doing with war got that made people pay attention we want to be the biggest band in the world and here yeah. it is you know what i mean and i think with this and then rattle and hum and octung baby that's the like we're we're shooting for the the the, the floor is the ceiling if you will <laughs> um, like we we want to be the biggest band and we're going for it and that's all there is to it. 
Yeah. I mean, there are definitely people rolling our eyes who are like, dude, The Cure are one of the biggest bands in the world. And like, yeah, 100%. But at the same yes, time, not, they, don't, they, don't, even... they, don't, they don't have like the arena rock, like sing-alongs the way that U2 did. And I would argue no. that I would argue that U2 were going for that even earlier than, well, than War. Let me, you let know? me put but, this together. But let definitely me put Sunday, Bloody, Bloody Sunday is like the clincher. It's a clincher. So here, here's a good way to put it. War comes out February 83 peak chart position this means nothing to young people but how it's sold and sales based uk it hit number one us it topped out at 12 uh ireland 16 australia 9 canada 9 canada 4 france 4 uh germany 59 new zealand 5 sweden 2 okay skipping ahead to the joshua tree Peak position. Number one everywhere in the world except Australia, <laughs> where it only topped out at three. So we got to find out what was going on um, in 1987 in Australia. That's funny. Rattle and hum. Number one in everywhere in the world except, Jesus, that France and uh, Sweden. Only topped out at two in Sweden. And France, I think, might have turned on YouTube by this point. Only eighth. Number one in the world. Octung um, Baby. Number one in the world uh, in half the world, only hit number two in the UK. So I'm curious what happened there. And three, three, four, but number one in the world almost everywhere else. Big band. Big fucking band. Zuropa, number one in the world everywhere. Pop, number one in the world everywhere. All That You Can't Leave Behind, which actually was a big comeback. I thought Zuropa and Pop really kind of were mm, interesting. All That You Can't Leave Behind, number one everywhere in the world except in the U.S. where it only topped out at three, um, likely because we were in the midst of uh, boy band fever in 2000. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, like, War is the record that exploded, but not, like, the Joshua Tree was the delivery of the explosion. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think to me, Joshua Tree is the, hey, we're big and we know we're big, what can we do now? And there's a four-year gap, including Unforgettable Fire. And to give context, the way people describe Unforgettable Fire, which I've heard but haven't listened to in a long time, it is the, hey, we're going to try some more experimental stuff. And there's like... Man, there's how like do I more, put it? There's like more ambient stuff on it, right? Yes. That's what and, I've heard. And like kind of has this weird... Like, like, think about if a post-punk band tried to, like, get folksy without being folksy. You know what I mean? Like, like to take the energy of folk, but not the sound and where that would go, which okay. basically leads you to ambient. You know what I mean? Like, you're pulling back. There's no driving. It's it, anyways, it's a really weird record. Um deserves conversation just because it's weird as shit so we should talk about <laughs> it but joshua tree is the hey here we are first like number the, one in the u.s first number one most of the world you know it's the timeless the timeless one that right. they did for sure well and we'll I, get to all the reasons but yeah so we're uh one tangential question for you because uh, yes. it seems like you're pretty familiar with most of the catalog so octung baby i've <laughs> never heard oh really but, but that's a record that 
a lot of people over the last, I don't know, say five to 10 years, mm-hmm. when I just say like, I really, I don't listen to you two, except for like maybe the first couple records. And I don't even mean to sound like that guy. I only listen to the first records. It's just, that's all that I've ever heard that I really like. Um, a lot of people point me to that record. Is that true? Is that like a record that's worth checking out? Or is that just like the kind of like Brooklyn response? No, 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 no. It's, um, I mean, do you know the song One? Not off the top of my head, no. One love for Oh, one. sure. Yeah, okay. Like, it's so it's uh, top it's in their most popular songs. Yeah. Um it's good. It's at this weird point for you two where um Okay, yeah. Um it is not the one I would go to immediately. To me if you were like if you were like, hey, never heard of you too, what should I listen to? I'd go, oh, shit. Uh, let me think about where you're coming from. I would go War, October, Joshua Tree, Boy. Mm, maybe Octung Baby, maybe Rattle and Hum. They're in the same stew. But Octung okay. Baby goes uh, has even better than the real thing, which has a little bit more drive to it. Like this is this time frame. They also did a song that is on oh, Kiss Me Kill Me. Kiss Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, which Batman is YouTube's soundtrack. Batman soundtrack song, which is really driving. So that is yep, 95. So it's probably from the next recording session. But like that song is a fun ass song. Like that's a cool song. And would actually um, that's not fully Octung Baby, but like apparently that's recorded around the same time as Zuropa. But I think Zuropa sucks. Okay, like sucks. And um, the this cover is, art is atrocious. Well, so geez, um, how do I? Where do we go from here? <laughs> Zuropa, the big problem. Oh man. I don't even. I think Zuropa just was weird. It's not. So I think Pop is the worst one. Pop is where things were such a bummer because the the first single is Discotheque. Yeah, and they tried to play around with kind of like this EDM influence, and it was a like it was it got a lot of play, but it also just felt so weird. I, I don't hate it. Even even if you were to be judgmental of like, oh okay, what's what's the direction moving? Because I think the direction started to move from Octung Baby and Zuropa. What they started doing on pop didn't didn't line up, and then you kind of see that all you can, all that you can't leave behind is a real like return to form energy. So okay, I definitely feel like what I was seeing on TRL when I was a kid and <laughs> hating it was off of pop. Y- yes, no question about it. No question yeah. about it. That's just the way it is. Now, <laughs> now you got me digging, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's a vinyl single of "Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me." Um, so I'm anyways. sure there is. Yeah, with the Batman emblem. <sighs> All right. Oh my god. Holy All right. Shit. So let's let's go in. Um, yeah. Let's go in. So, so what, do you, what do you think of the record overall? So I, I mean, I had heard it before. Um, yes. Obviously, they're like hits on hits on this record. Um, although the non-hits, I liked mm-hmm. sometimes liked a lot sometimes just kind of washed over me i'm here's the thing i'm just going to put it out all all, all out on front street i think from the, from the get-go 
this record is undeniably great. Um, like it is timeless. It it's almost what uh, thirty five years old now. Uh, yeah, yeah, eighty seven. Yes, it it still sounds contemporary somehow. Yeah. Um, very little dating on it. That's true. Yeah, so like it's it's really really impressive in that way, and it's just sonically the production on it is unbelievable. Which I mean, you know, is in the mix, so that's not a huge surprise. Right. Um, that being said, like I don't know that I ever need to listen to it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a great point. It's um. <sighs> I, I'm going to save some of this for when we actually go track to track. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, I know that that's I'm giving away the farm right now, but that's that's no. how I feel. Like, great record. I think everyone should hear it. I think it's it's totally worth everyone's time, undeniably. But that being said, I just I don't. For me, it doesn't have much replay. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't no. have much replay. There's not much f- for me there. I I don't think. I don't disagree. And I really like you two a lot. The hits on this, if you are of our age range, you know the hits inside and out. Without trying, right? Without trying, you know the hits. Yeah. So my question, and it's the one I'm asking myself that we're going to talk through, I think, too. Does one undeniable classic top, 20 songs that you love song make an album you know like pinnacle or is it just like yeah just just strip the single buddy you know um and we are in search of tracks so the other side is are there any hidden gems on this record and i i kind of am excited to kind of to tear through that a little bit too um before cool. we get into that, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, I would say let's just dive into the track. The by only track. thing I want to say is, I, as we kind of discussed, this to me, and, and I'll get into it in the format of the track by track, this is it to me. I don't think War, I don't think even the most diehard, there's, I don't think any diehard U2 fans like, ah, oh, War, sellout record. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. If you like U2, you like War. Even if you're an I only like the old stuff guy, you know? Yeah. Joshua Tree? Maybe. You can, you can, you can, I find no fault with saying to somebody who's like, yo, I loved you two up until Joshua Tree. I'd say, yo, you really don't like the record? But I also would go, yeah, undeniable that it is the going for it big record as well. So, uh, just yeah. thread that in here too, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I, I fucking hate to sound like this guy, but like, cause I, I hate the idea of like, you know, when, when anyone's like talented musicians though, you know? Um, I, cause I just don't think that if you're talented or you have a vision, it necessarily makes for a good record. Um, but I just, I feel like even if you don't like the record, it's worth your time in a lot of ways. Like there, there is a lot here that's, that's very interesting. Like it's not the library of Congress thing. Like, you know, it makes sense to me that it is kind of revered as this timeless classic because of what it is. It's, it's like few records 
have so much power with such restraint and it's uh it's it's i don't know i think it's well impressive said. yeah i think i mean yes in it you know for a record that comes out in 1987 you know uh it's a little bit of an island right and yeah i think there's other artists that are like this but like in con- in guitar music in 1987 you know you tell me what was big in guitar music in 1987 what was popular dude i wrote some down bon jovi slippery when wet guns and roses appetite yep def leopard hysteria aerosmith permanent vacation like yep. it, this record a theme is, here yeah it's 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 so out of left field you well, know those, at that point those are hair metal and this record could be described as austere you know like this there's a lot i love the way you said it. it it's reserved this record is serious it takes itself seriously it's passioned it's impassioned it's it's got a lot going on and very much it's singular um yeah and i, I you know there's a few other artists like this that you can catch through every decade but the 80s seems like an interesting one but because it's like Yo, in the first half of the decade, yeah, U2 was kind of part of this, like, I don't know what you would call it, you know, like, somebody, please, you're screaming at the radio, yes, there was, like, this post-punk, new wave, etc. U2 could have, large, indie, college rock, U2 could have largely been sort of thrown towards that direction, though they were a little on their own. When they hit this, they, they start to lose a lot of those tags and become their own thing, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I really think this is it, it deserves all the flowers it gets. At the same time, um, you know, this record has a lot to do with them becoming one of the largest bands in the whole world and uh, lost them some of that highly desirable underground credibility yeah. uh, ownership because everybody fucking loves you too. So, but to um, add to that too, it also I, I feel like this is where they really kind of firmly took the the like the pivot towards the pretentiousness that people hate about them still. Yes. Um, and that's that's the part where I think that when I say that, you know, I could listen to this two hundred times and I know that I would find something new in it, just like it's deep, but it's deep in this way that I find so pretentious and annoying. <laughs> So like, like they, they not only kind of dismiss their kind of underground, you know, cred as you're talking about, but they also like just became this other animal that I, I think people, some people find really obnoxious. No, I mean, I think, I think, so I use the word, I use the word austere. Yeah. Severe or strict in manner, attitude or appearance. Um, that's what I mean is that it's a deep, rich, layered record that's also muted and understated. But at the same time, is not going to glide for a lot of people. The, the, the dude who's rocking the Def Leppard sleeveless and jamming Appetite for Destruction isn't then going, oh, okay, pass me the uh, Joshua Tree cassette and pop that in, you know? Like, it's a different energy. (laughs) And 
there's a lot of people who can't ride with it. So, but even more who, who understand it and vibe. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit too. Um, let's just jump in because I think we're going to be able to dissect some of these bigger things as we talk about the songs. Yeah. Because I think we can confirm um, we're in search of tracks and there's definitely some here that we can identify clearly. Uh, these first three um, you might have heard of. Uh, first song, <laughs> Where the Streets Have No Name. Yeah, um, everyone's heard this song. Um, great song, though, right? I mean, like, I, it's it's so funny talking about these songs that everybody's obviously heard a billion times. So, I said this is a lesser U2 mega hit. It's still a okay. mega hit. Everybody's heard it. It's yeah. just a lesser one of theirs, you know? Sure. I mean, this one, to me, it's like when I was talking about them just making songs for the stadium sing-alongs. Dude. This is like tailor-made for stadium sing-alongs. <laughs> Um, Here's what I wrote down really quick because it's lining up exactly with what you're saying. Do I like it less or more due to familiarity? There's a part of me that likes how arena it is. Yeah. And other parts that feel sad because this feels like the turn for you two for better and worse. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I because think it's you're like, spot on. It, 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 it's, they open the record with this. Yeah. This long lead into the song. Here it is. We are playing stadiums. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a keeper, right? Like you can't get rid of this record, this song. It is. Um, I, I, Bono is, has his a game on pretty much yeah. throughout this whole record. But these first three, you can tell he's like, Oh, okay. I got to really do what I can I mean, do for the record. The whole band does. I mean, the, oh, the yeah. rhythm section is killing it and, the edge is killing it. Everyone's killing it. I mean, it's the whole, it's an A game record for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think at some point along in my notes, I write, I can't, I can't state enough how much I like the drum sound. Like, yeah. The drums are infectious and dumb simple on certain parts. Like, yeah. We'll get there. But, um, all right. So, yeah. Like, so here's my question really quick since we don't have much to say about where the streets have no name to pull it apart. <laughs> Are there people who just can't ride with Bono's vocals? Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I assume there are. I, th- I just have to think that at this point, it's more than just his vocals. It's just him. Because his, his, pers- lead- his personality leads. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's pretend also that somebody listening may never have really heard this, this record or you two other than being aware of their existence, because it's hard not to be if you like music. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I think his vocals are pretty good in a, like, this is palatable. Like, I don't know how many people who would be like, nah, I'm out just on vocals. Whereas there's some artists artists we've talked about where it's like, no, not going to happen. Yeah. I mean like the Mars Volta, I get it. A hundred percent of people are just like, nope. 
Right. I right. am out, you know, but I don't I don't see you two as being that kind of band really. No. All right. Let's go to the next song. Real quick, yeah. just before the, I, yeah. I, I so I read a lot about this oh, yeah, record please. as we were preparing for this. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is that um I guess in some interview at some point, Brian Eno, yep. um, who was who was one of the producers on the record, said that he, in his estimation, they spent forty percent of the recording time for the album on this one song, "On Where the Streets Have No Names." Jesus Christ, <laughs> which is fucking bonkers to me. Like, fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's such a dense record, and they spent like almost fifty percent of the time on this one song, which maybe it shows. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously a timeless track, and it's a great intro track, but it's just crazy to me. Yeah, uh, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to spend that much time on a song. Um, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Hit. Track. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. I, I said yeah. this is probably a top 10 U2 song, you know? Yeah, you know? I agree. Uh, I, I noted that I really love how subtle the music is almost a vehicle for the vocals until it isn't. Um, and there's parts of this song and then throughout the record, but it's, you know, when we talk about more aggressive guitar music or, or stuff, we'll use terms like grinding or churning or pummeling. What's going on here with the music? It's like pulsing and rhythmic and it's really simple. Um, yeah. But there's a lot to pull apart. There's little things they're doing. It's almost it's muted, you know. Um, and in that simplicity and rhythm, like sometimes you just unearth huge pop hits because it's just easy for people to hear, like to listen to. I said that Phil Collins, uh, Genesis were able to do this a few times very, very well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a very good song. Uh, what are we gonna say about? It? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> I mean, it's also like I again in reading about this, it seems like they were listening to a lot of gospel and yeah. like traditional music, both American traditional and Irish traditional. Yep. Um, and this is where that starts to show for me, which I had never really thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like this you know, gospel-esque feel to it. Yep. Um, and this like kind of religious feel to it, which I feel like, I don't know, that's uh, spirituality is interesting, right? Where uh, a lot of people are spiritual about music in certain ways, right? I mean, you go to a, a concert where everyone's singing along and it's the closest you're going to get to church if you're not a religious person. Um and I feel like that's kind yeah. of what they're going for. So, so it's no, interesting. I, mean, I think there's an interesting, so there's <clears> some <throat> interesting, like uh, October is the one that has a lot of spiritual themes. Okay. Um, October is also the record in the early YouTube catalog that I think gets super overlooked and it's awesome. Uh, shout out to our buddy DJ, who uh, is a huge, huge YouTube fan. And we were talking about this briefly. Um, ah, we should have him on to talk you too. I think he would love it actually. We should maybe we will. Um there's a bunch of kind of religious lyrical notes on that during the research of this. Um there was some times where around the release of October where they were thinking about breaking up. Um 
let me just read this. Adding to this period of self-doubt, Bono, The Edge, and Mullen's involvement in a charismatic Christian group in Dublin called the Shalom Fellowship led them to question the relationship between their religious faith and their lifestyle of a rock band. Bono and The Edge considered quitting U2 due to the perceived spiritual conflicts before deciding to leave Shalom instead. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, summer 81 nah let's just do this church thing instead <laughs> we'll change yeah. the world instead um so uh yeah banger song um keeper yeah <laughs> all right although uh, I'll, although I'll, I'll say that and we'll get into it more but uh maybe it's because i'm so familiar with the first three songs on this but yes i feel like there are songs that i would have preferred in this spot. Like, I feel like, oh. I feel like the album could be rearranged a little bit, but we'll, uh, this we'll album get into definitely it. could be rearranged. Um, uh, it is a little bit front loaded. We could say, yeah, which I think again leads to the kind of big label. Hey, we're writing a big rock record to be the biggest man in the world and succeeding, but here, let's, let's make these singles and then see what else falls into place. Um, yeah. my favorite, without you, you, my favorite, you two song. Really? Yeah. Wow. Pretty easily. Um, Sick. It's a mega hit for a reason. Uh, I, I, same thing. Love some of the like muted simplicity in what they're doing. Using repetitions and rhythms to, to drive forward a song that really builds. Um, it makes me emotional when I don't, when I'm not trying to be emotional. Like it pulls me in. Um, <laughs> This is the one where I was like, yo, the drums are just infectious. It's like dumb, simple. I could play drums on with or without you. <laughs> like listen yeah. to it next time. You're, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's unreal. Like I, I, maybe Bono is playing drums as well as singing because he could have pulled it off. Um, I, a, it, it does the same thing to me. I'm not going to lie. And I don't even, I like, it's this is one of those songs I'm so familiar with. I don't yes. even think of myself as liking it. It's just like a song that's out there that I'm very familiar with. But for some reason, the outro makes me emotional too. It's it's strange. Yes, it's it's a really good song, and like I don't I don't know where I put it in my top songs because I'm much like you. I've heard it a bajillion times. I'll go through a wave where I won't listen to it for a long time, and then I'll have it on. I'm like, oh yeah, this song's great. Damn. Yeah, but like if I start weighing it out, I'm like, yeah, I like the song more than a lot of songs that I would probably consciously be like, oh, this is an awesome song. Like, so, anyways, um, yeah, I'd say it's this like is it demands your attention. This song, yeah, yes, and like it does everything. It 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 showcases what you two could do, and it also, to me, is almost a logical conclusion on some of the stuff they worked on from jump like what can we do with this sound and like we have this vocalist who's really out front and emotive in the way he sings like yo here's the thing bono isn't the best classically trained singer right like that's kind of like one of the things that we don't state he's not a bad singer at all he can hit notes but like you're not going to him for the same reason someone goes to celine dion you're going right. to Bono because Bono because he has personality exploding out his eyeballs, you know? Right. And you really feel it all over the song, you know? Yeah. Uh, good lyrics, I'd say, you know? So, I don't know. Um, I also feel like this is, 
and this song in particular, but this may like maybe this record as a whole, it feels to me like this is where the edge kind of firmly like found his niche. Like he found his sound, his signature 100%. Yeah. Yep. Right. Because I mean, his, the, his, his riffs and his kind of the effects that he uses and everything, his guitar style on this record is it's unique still. I feel like, yeah, we'll get to the song where he really like, Oh, there's the edge. There it is. Yeah. He locked it in. He's got, there's the part, but you know, you hear it in these three songs to lead the record. He, he finds himself and he becomes a voice that's like, Oh yeah, we can't do our sound without these signatures. So, yeah. And just to, to add to the context of the times too, like it's, I was just thinking so much about, you know, the, the records that I mentioned before, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, yes. Guns of Roses, all this stuff. Like, Dude, he's not doing leads. He's doing the opposite of leads. Yes, you know, he's he's inversion. using he's using the as little notes as possible to fill the sound rather than as many notes as possible to fill the sound, which is what all the other bands are doing. And it's 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 super impressive. Did we just uh, like uh cl- clue into something that U2 is the inversion of hair metal? Maybe like yeah. is you two the anti hair metal, and I mean, yo, like both things might be repelling from each other. True, uh, despite hair lengths in the band at the time. <laughs> if you look at pictures of you two, their dudes like their t shirts are tucked into their black jeans. You know, um, it's a little bit of a different vibe than uh, Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> like, like kind of like very pensive, quiet, thoughtful pictures of them looking off into nothing. Meanwhile, everyone else has their tongue out and like, like making gestures with their fingers, you know, like, right. <laughs> it's a little different energy. Yeah. Art, art rock versus, uh, yeah. versus hair metal. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Um, okay. So yeah, we're both keeping with or without you. Yep. Um, yeah. Here's where things change a little bit for me. So that's, that's where we drop off from like the biggest songs of all time that are on this record. Um, yeah. Bullet the Blue Sky. I think this is a fucking track. I love this song, and this and this is one that I I like. Quite honestly, I you know I've listened to this record a few times over the years, but it had been a while since I revisited it. Maybe ten years, honestly. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, this song kind of brought me in immediately. I think, firstly, because it's just not a hit, you know. And I was so familiar with the first three songs. Okay. Um, but I really like this one. It feels more post punky. Um, it's a little bit more raw and dissonant than the rest of them. That's not, you're not wrong. Um, 
which is kind of out of character for the record, but I, I it, for me, it felt refreshing um, just in the context of the record. And this is where, like, as soon as I heard this, I was just kind of like, this could have been song number two or three, and it would have really amped the thing up for me. Um, <sighs> Interesting. Okay. Okay. You're and reframing it, and, this for me. And over time, it got stuck in my head. Like I, I wanted to come back to this song in particular. So there's, there's no doubt this song is catchy in the weirdest, most haunting way. Yeah. Like, this is a weird song, and standalone. I enjoy parts of it. I really do. Like there's parts that just get in your head. It's kind of gnarly. It's twisted up. It's you're right. It, this is maybe the closest they actually get to what I think of as of like, uh, like post-punk art rock kind of song, even though it's still too, <laughs> too well constructed and too formulaic to really hit those poles, you know? Yeah. Um, this You've reframed it. I appreciate it. I'm super familiar with this. I think nostalgia is playing against this song in a big way for me as a kid who had Joshua Tree, probably at like 11. I don't know. Like a kid kid. Okay. When this song would come on, I was like, ugh. (laughs) Additionally, it strikes me a little bit as a all right, we need to change it up. We just did the three arena rock songs. Arena rock in the U2 kind of way we've discussed. Mm-hmm. We need to totally change it up. And on a lot of like major label, big records, we don't care about total album flow. A song like this is almost literally the palate cleanser, like uh, Lemoncello between courses you know what i mean like oh here you know like here you just fancy yeah you know my finger was up in the air um i think that it is a credit to you too how memorable this song is because i don't like it but i know it and i really know it like and there's parts of it like the chorus, the nascent chorus, because it's kind of like this oddly shaped and oddly formed chorus, is as catchy as anything off the first three songs. Yeah. Bullet the blue sky. Like, yo, damn. There was a part of me that wanted to cut the song, but your plea for it in a rearrangement might be saving it from the chopping block because I'm appreciating the argument and I'm trying to give them credit for not having this be just a flotsam track, like big, big <laughs> record. Because yo, you know this, like alternative records, they were littered. Like as a kid, they were littered with these songs. You're like, yeah, why are these four songs awesome and these other songs suck dick? Like, yeah, no, it's mostly trash, right? And I'm, and that's part of my thesis on Joshua Tree is like, for the first time. I think they have flotsam on the record. I'm trying to, I'm going to give it a chance. So we'll talk about it. I, I agree with your rearranging theory though, because I have some notes there too. But if we keep this song, putting it somewhere else would change the context. Yeah. I'm so that's, I mean, well, first of all, yeah, I'm honored that I uh, changed your opinion like that. I don't think I'm that, that convincing, <laughs> but second of all, um, do you remember what was so 
repellent about this song for you as a kid? I'm curious. Oh, so it was just the tempo change. Okay. The, 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 because yeah, just the it, vibe. Yeah. And it was like, and it also the tone change, it tried to go to spooky and like deep. I think on a headphones, listen, this, the flow into this song feels a little smoother, but if you're listening, just like listening to it on a speaker or just like in your house, it gets that. It just, there is a cliff drop right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the, f- what are you doing? There's a, <laughs> there's a, and that's why I said it feels more like a palate cleanser than a shift. Like it's like, it feels like it's like, okay, now we're going to give you a break for a minute and it's going to be weird. Like almost like if they did a noise interlude instead of this song. Sure. You know, and um, it doesn't feel lazy. And you know what would be interesting? I bet there's a time where this song still got play in their live set. All right. Well, we'll see. I bet it would. Yeah. I feel like it would be a killer live song. I don't know about killer, but certainly not not garbage. Not, I, I would I would be psyched. All right, let's see. All right, they just played. They played in Mumbai on December fifteenth last year, twenty nineteen. Sorry. Um, okay. Bullet with bullet, bullet the blue sky. Uh, it's okay, on there? so it's okay. They're doing a. It was a Joshua Tree. Oh, Joshua Tree tour. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. There we go. God, I thought they did that in like 2017. That lasted for like two years. Yo. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I guess they just played every country in the world. They played the record straight through. Bless them. That is cool, man. No skips. Just doing the album. Good. Good on them. All right. Well, whatever. Um, I'll have to dig a little harder to see if it was in there. Like pre-anniversary set lists here. And then they did the iPhone album as the encore. Yeah, they just had everyone hold their phone up in the air. All right, here we go. (laughs) Here's a good set list. Uh, July 1st, 2018, MSJ. Okay. um, Loves all we have left. A lot of this stuff. Let's see. Wow, Okay. This man, they they don't fuck around, man. They don't fuck around. Just they also have hit. different stages that Not they play surprised. on. Like they move around. Okay, so um, twenty four ish songs. Oh, that's cool. They they did a like partial cover of "This Must Be the Place" by Talking Heads. Cool song. Good nod, you two. Um, no, no, bullet the blue sky. Art rock. I mean, yeah, they're no, art they're, rock they're just band. Deep. Firmly. They're just deep. They're just deep in it. All right. Another band that I find pretty obnoxious. But hey, Talking Heads. Yeah. Really? Oh man. Um. You know what? I I, I can't, dude. I, I'm just gonna put this out there. I cannot. I know that everyone went and saw David Byrne on Broadway, and everyone loves that <laughs> stuff. I can't even. I can't even look at it. I'm like repulsed <laughs> by it. I think it's so annoying. <laughs> Yeah, uh, to me, <laughs> <laughs> to me, uh, and this must be the place is a fucking hit. By the way, hit, I mean, like, dude, like I, 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 love, I, I love, I love certain Talking Heads songs, but I like, have such a disconnect from the art and artist on that level because yeah. I just don't care. Like, there's the the Talking Heads shtick. I don't care. It's like, oh, David Byrne, oh, neat, neat, neat 
square jacket. <laughs> cool. I, I yeah. just don't care. Like I'm so detached from it. It makes me sure. it makes me happy. All right, all right, all right. Back to you two. We'll the Talking Heads episode will come sooner or later. Yeah, um, at some point. Uh, running to stand still. Where are you at on this one? So, um, this uh, like, all right. So straight up, the 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 latter half of this record, which I guess is we're getting into here on yeah work. yeah um it felt fresh to me because i hadn't heard it in so long so um that was cool but this song started off feeling like like his vocals kind of sound like lou reed to me at first oh interesting um so it kind of just like just in the very first lines of this song yep um and it felt kind of velvet undergroundy and i love the velvet underground and i love lou reed so for me i was kind of excited about it and then it built kind of into its own thing, which was not what I wanted it to be, but Agreed. it was still, it was still a good song. I like the harmonica part. Um, I like, like I like the dynamics on the song. I just didn't love the song itself. Um, but it was really representative to me of, of the strength of the record where they're able to make you feel like they're building into this big thing. And then they just kind of step it back. Like there's such restraint in it and uh, it's cool. So like the dynamic of it, I, I find really compelling, but I just, I'm not going back to this song really. Yeah. I, um, I, so guess, I, th- I think it's a cut for me. Yeah, frankly. I said this is a good, but not great. Um, it, it's kind of like this gentle song that sways enough, but it's just not, it's just not totally memorable. Um, I, yeah. I noted that I there were some nice vocal and sonic change-ups from the the big hits, you know, and it added depth to a big record. But you lose some of the personality here too, so uh, it's it's a fine song. Um, I don't think it's anyone's favorite U two song, and if somebody wants to say it is, we're gonna have you on and to talk about it for an hour. But I, I it's not for me. <laughs> I'm gonna cut it. Yeah, I mean, and it's also it's it's one of those things too where the first three songs are these mega hits, so it, it impacts the flow of the record. Exactly, you know? it impacts everything. Where it's it's tough to hold uh, these other songs up to those songs, right? So yeah, I don't know. No, it's it's, it's out. Uh, Red Hill Mining Town. This one goes the other way for me. I really like it. Um, I think you actually it kind of. Um, resurrect some of the roots youtube material i think like it could have fit onto war or october even kind of easily bono hits it big vocally and i really like the the chorus vocal play that you catch on this song yeah i'm i'm hot and cold on this i i think it has a good feel to it i like the driving beat again like anything with a driving beat after the first couple songs i'm i'm kind of in just because i i kind of need that energy um, and again, there's like kind of that gospel influence on this. It's yep. made for big rooms. Yes. Um, cool song. I'm not going to cut it, but it's not one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all right. We'll, we'll get there. Um, in God's country. So this was the one that I said, Oh, here's, here's edge. Um, you get a little bit of that, like pick heavy guitar stuff at the beginning. And by the end is where you get Edge doing his signature kind of like uh, phaser sounding stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, 
it's a cool song. I'm keeping it. Feels like it would be good sunrise music, but otherwise, it's just <laughs> it's just good. This was actually a single released off this record, which oh, surprised wow. me. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, because it obviously did not uh, have the longevity of the other songs. <laughs> Doesn't have the legs of uh, three of the most popular songs of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that the edge shines for you on this one because I actually, in my notes, it's, it's all about the rhythm section and the bass line in particular, oh, on this okay. one. but maybe, maybe that's just cause I'm a rhythm section guy, but, but yeah, I mean, um, good song again, like it's a little more upbeat yep. and I just feel like, I just feel like, like songs like this put them kind of spread throughout the record, not just kind of bunched up in the middle. Because I just I feel like it would help the record flow so much better, um, and it would it would it would um, dismantle the an out of bomb. No, it would dismantle my theory on this just being like, hey, here's some flotsam tracks, perhaps because yeah. it would be like, hey, we're putting some thought to the flow of this. Because I agree, like Red Hill Mining Town in God's Country, both f- totally fine songs. And then you throw in both the blue sky or running stand still. You, you pick your poison and you rearrange it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And here's the mega hits. Yeah. You know, track two, four and five or whatever, you know, and, and it just feels different. Um, but yeah, uh, good song. Surprising. There was a single, but I think it was that kind of, oh, hey, these three songs were so big. We have no choice, but to keep releasing singles off this record. Yeah. <laughs> sounds right okay um trip through your wires Noted the harmonica on, I believe, it was running standstill. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I gotta tell you, Pete, I get pretty scared when bands start pulling out the harmonicas. Do you? <sighs> A little bit. I mean, uh, see, I mean, who, so- who, who? Give me. Who's the best harmonica? Dylan. Tom, Dylan. Dylan's good. Tom Petty. I like him. I like Neil when Young. He pulls. Neil Young. Cool. You gotta have you gotta you gotta have me give me harmonica like resume, <laughs> and like there's a lot of things you two is very good at. I, I'm not I'm not sold on their harmonica resume. I'm just saying. See, that's fair. I just I I, I felt like the harmonica running to stand still is actually like it's it's uh, it's quality harmonica. It's, it's it is uh it is tasteful harmonica. Yeah, it's not. I, it is not. It is competent. It is not exemplary. It is passing. <laughs> Trip through your wires. Um, I think they, they they keep the song together enough. I'm not offended, but at the same time, I'm not in love with you two going for like 
small bar in Kansas energy. That's how well, I feel on this song. And that's so that's where the whole thing annoys me is just <laughs> like like them getting into traditional music and trying to do that thing. Like I guess I I I get it. Like they're an art band, they're interested in things. They they said, "Hey, this is part of culture and it's part of our culture, but it's also part of American culture and you know, there's history to music and we should like celebrate whatever, it whatever, like, whatever, yeah, whatever. like whatever. I but dude, just you're an arena rock band. Just play rock songs. Um <laughs> I don't know. That's that sounds really dismissive, but I'm I guess I'm serious about it. I just <laughs> I <laughs> I love it. Um yeah, this song's annoying. Cut it. Yeah, it's a cut. It's a cut. Um uh speaking of cuts, one tree hill. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, it, I I actually like this song. I think it's not a bad song, but it does nothing for me. It, it this is the one that feels mailed in. If I'm being honest, wow, um, I like this one. Really, I'm keeping it. You're key- oh my god. Well, yo, I'm just gonna say if it inspired that that horseshit TV show, I'm even <laughs> more out. But but uh, yeah, like I, I'm lukewarm at best on this. This song, this song gave me the most just buh vibe on the record and it's it's a song i remembered and i was like I, it's a you know you know what let me say this it's a song i didn't really remember other than it being like oh here's another song on the record on the back end that didn't pull me in okay you, you gave me your positive spin you liked it i mean i just see i might be influenced when songs have somewhat of a driving beat because <laughs> most of the songs on this don't. Yeah, yeah, so, I get you. So when when they do, I'm kind of in because it's just this energy that I feel like the record needs. Um, it's sing alongy, of course. I mean, that's what they do. Um, I really, really like the bass line on it, actually, and that's something that was like particularly stood out stood out for me. So, so the next song, "Exit," is where the bass really stood out for me. Okay. Um, the exit is the song that pulled me in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like that one too, actually. Fantastic song. Uh, tension building. Um, this is like, uh, the, I said the bass, it's like driving in this underneath way that makes that when the dramatic big guitar play hits, it really hits. Yeah. Um, and this is like, like I said, this is crescendo of a movie music right here exit and i i think this low key is maybe top three songs on the record for me maybe okay interesting yeah i mean i i love it um but it's all right so here's where i'm biased yes and and i I think it's one of those things that i'll never truly know the answer to i chalk a lot of that kind of cinematic vibe feel Mm-hmm. up to Eno because I'm a yes. huge Brian Eno guy. Um, so that's where I'm just like, Eno's a fucking genius. Like that's what I think in my head. I don't think you two are fucking geniuses. I think Eno. So uh, I, mean, I don't know. It's deep in the record. Uh, he, he probably has his fingerprints all over it. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's spade a spade. That's where I get to on this record where I'm like, one, I think Brian Eno had a lot to do with the record in general. But yeah. two, once we get into this depth, like I give people some background on Brian Eno for somebody who maybe is uninitiated. Yeah, so um uh 
kind of multi-instrumentalist musician art guy. Um, he was in the early, um, the early lineup of Roxy music. He was on the first couple records. Um, but then he started making his own music and has done, he did an, a, a record called another green world that I think should be in everyone's collection ever. Um, and you know, basically interesting kind of art music, art rock, art like like electronic music, but then also um, dabbled, not even dabbled. He basically created the genre of ambient music, yeah, um, which is a whole thing in and of itself. So he, basically, he has a billion records, and they're either you know some of them have vocals, and some of them are more kind of traditional song structures, and some of them are just like ambient kind of soundscapes, but he was one of the like pioneers of that stuff really. So, um, just really interesting guy, but he's also produced a billion albums where everything from, you know, obviously U2 to Coldplay to, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, many, many, many records. Yes. I mean, this dude shaped, uh, most, people's record collections in a way they probably don't know you know a hundred percent so yeah he's like a secret see like he's the secret hand behind a lot of uh huge music huge, over huge the last thing. 50 years yes so anyways um brian you know uh yeah I, this the, you're not you're not wrong in saying that but i'm gonna give them the credit i love this song um mother in the final track mothers of the disappeared it's solid i mean it's it's again like the cinematic feel yeah um it's a soft farewell it's it's yeah not a sing-along it's not a stadium song um i did like it just the vibe it it has a good vibe and i i noticed that it was five minutes long and once i noticed that i was like oh it really breezes by because that feels long but i want to say this about this whole record for the most part it's 50 minutes long it moves pretty quick moves pretty quick even the stuff where i'm like ah oh, lulls or eh, not doesn't pull me in it all moves pretty quick so good on them um well and that's i i feel like that's really kind of gets to the root of it it's it's like even if you don't i and i don't know i don't know if this just applies to people who are really actively interested in music or not i feel like it applies to everybody really with this one but it's just one of those things that it there's something about it that's super compelling and i don't know exactly what that is but the fact that there are just hits on hits but then there are also non-hits that are kind of unoffensive and just kind of breeze by you and they're still kind of interesting in their own way there's something about this record that's like special yeah it is a special record i will say this sometimes uh, you know here at tracks hq um (laughs) Sometimes I'm looking for the deep cut track that's like, oh, 
I didn't know this song, you know? I think you can find that on the first three U2 records for sure. There are singles you'll know, there's songs you'll know, and then there's songs that are like, oh, I didn't really, oh, yeah, this is a great song, damn, when you're actually listening hard, you know? <sighs> After the first three songs, what is your favorite song on this record? Is it Blue Bullet, The Blue Sky? Um, it might be. To me, it might be Exit. It might be Red Hill Mining Town. Uh, Exit might be second for me. Yeah, and and those are pretty good songs. I don't know that they're like you know on the tracks playlist. I think we should probably put. <laughs> it would actually be good. Um, we'll do one of the mega hits and then two of the non mega hits. Two of the like others. Which cool. of the three mega hits would you put on there? Uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Okay. All right. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, with or without Let's you? With or without you? Because that's that's both that's both of our favorites. Yeah, that's both of our favorites. Yeah, it's really good. I was gonna say okay. I mean, I'll go with that. That's fine. Um, so I go with or without you, and then I would say both the blue sky and exit. I think cool. that's the way to go because it does give you a little bit of a different feel. What I want from a record with this level of mega hits is a little bit more bo- meat on the bone for people to pick at and be like, "Oh, that song's so good," you know. There's good songs, but nothing that's like, when I go to see them in concert, I really hope they play Red Hill Mining Town. I'm sure there were people who went to the Joshua Tree concerts who were really excited to see that played live because I bet it didn't make the concert uh, playlist for 20 years prior. Right. Which is okay. I mean, let's say, hold on. Let me say 15 years prior. Um, they they have a lot of big songs. <laughs> so, um, overall... A, a pretty good record that uh, I guess it makes sense why it's one of the, you know, Library of Congress, biggest records ever, blah, blah, blah. Big record. Pete, let's rank did, this thing. Did you know that this was the first record that was available on CD, tape, and vinyl at the same time? Oh, that's a good fun fact. I did not. Crazy, right? That's amazing. I, yeah, I read that. It blew my mind. 1987. What a time to be alive. I know. Thank you, Island Records. Um, <laughs> all right. Is this record too long or does it drag it doesn't drag not too long this is like a first in in search of tracks history that i'm saying that but um and i do have cut songs but at the same time it doesn't drag no even the cut songs aren't like there's nothing on the record that's full-on like barf you know um yeah album flow does it feel disjointed or slapped together at all this is an interesting question on this record so it doesn't feel slapped together. It doesn't feel disjointed. I just feel like it would have benefited from a rearrangement. Do you have a rearrangement in mind specifically? Uh, or no? I don't really. Okay, that's I just, fine. No, I, no, no. I mean, like, I think you're right. I think, I think I liked your idea. You move bullet to blue sky. I think you spread out the hits a little bit. It's just, you have three songs that are outrageously popular. Yeah. And the rest that like, yo, if a person who was like, I love you too, they could go to a concert and sing every word to every song that you two plays. They might not know some of these song titles mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. Um, 
Well, but here's the thing, like even looking at it in terms of even if we're in 1987, we take the time machine back and we don't know that those three are the mega hits. Yes. Like they're kind of samey. They're, yeah. they're big right. stadium sing along, like kind of emotional songs. They're, they're, they're three. The pitch is the same. They're all, I don't want to call them. They're all change up. You know, like it's like, Oh, pitch one, change up, pitch two, change up, pitch three, change up. Right. They're all, there's a lot of similarities between the songs. Yeah. So I just, I, I feel like it's, it's obvious to me that like bullet, the blue sky, for example, could be song two or three, just to kind of break it up a little bit. And then you have with or without you later on the record. And yep. it's almost more effective that way. I, I totally agree. Um, quality of the songs and lyrics. Uh, yeah. They're, they're memorable songs. I think they stand up. Yeah. How do they stand up against their contemporaries? So, as we said, U2 is kind of this weird monolith of the 80s. Um, rarely are any bands actually compared to them, I don't think, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> they are kind of singular. You know, and that's okay. It's good. Um, I mean, yeah, it's the lyrics are really good. Um Bono, for all his pretentiousness, for all the personality traits that really irk a lot of the world, lyrics on this record hit. They're emotive. They're moving. There's a lot more going on. If you really sit with some of the lyrics, especially as you get through the second half of it, there's a lot going on. Um, I think it's a really interesting record, and it's, it's written in a way that is designed to kind of move you through it in that cinematic way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. Timelessness. Timelessness. I I mean, for me, like I said, just production wise, it still sounds contemporary to me for guitar music. Yep. So it's, it's like undeniably timeless in my opinion. The least timeless thing about it is that the band U2 is now old and has become such a fixture in the mainstream and awareness of them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like the only way that they're not like in some way dated is that they've aged out of awareness to young people. Like there's probably a 20 year old who's hearing this, who was born in 2001 who goes, Oh, you too. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my dad and grandpa like that band. (laughs) <laughs> but you know um so that's the only way but no the, the record sounds timeless there's there's no no ifs ands or buts about the production value i think it's really right there i mean i feel like there's something though that like <sighs> this is so weird to say and i don't know maybe people are gonna yell at their phones <laughs> when i say this but like you've mentioned crate diggers before right oh yes like i imagine a time years and years maybe decades from now where you two are dead and gone literally and figuratively and nobody, you know, really remembers them and kids might find this record. And like, there are interesting things being done with the production and the guitar and the sparseness of it. And the, the rhythm section that like, I don't know, like there's something here that like is really interesting, particularly I think for musicians. So I, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I think you're on to something with that. Um, presentation, 
Uh, I mean, I think it. <laughs> I like the artwork. I mean, it's very self serious, but it's, yeah, it's fine. It's, it does its it job. Nice. It does yeah. its job. It presents them in the way that I think they wanted to be presented. Like it's very decided. You know, it's like yeah. intentional. Like, okay, you guys are all looking at the camera. I'm going to be looking the other way. It's like and something- apparently they were on that photo shoot for like a week or something. It's like <laughs> it's one it's one of those things too where I'm just like, Ugh. like take the fucking photo, dude. Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, you're not you're not wrong. Um, okay, so here's the thing I want to say about crate diggers. Will you be adding this record to your collection, Pete? Do you have it? I don't have it. I believe I do. I think I found it at a thrift store for like $2 and it was in pretty yep. nice shape. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy it for two bucks. Cool. My notion to anyone out there who's listening to this, if you're interested in owning the Joshua tree, go earn it, crate dig and find it. There are plenty of f- copies of this record <laughs> out there. Whether you want to own it on CD or, or vinyl, especially on vinyl, that's the format I have. Go find it. Don't, buy this record online uh th- that seems weird it's 2021 go find an original copy secondhand i guarantee there are tens and tens if not hundreds of thousands of copies of this on vinyl so uh go Absolutely. find it earn it this is an earn it record um if you're gonna spend money on joshua tree go uh go go find it if i find it for five dollars or less i'm gonna buy it I think that's the move. That's the way to do this. Um, yeah. All right. Well, yo, that's you two, the Joshua tree. It's, um, what's your rating, Bob? Oh, whew, I, we did all the rating. Uh, my rating on this. Well, so that brings up my question with or without you is this song. I love uh, it's a 10 out of 10, you know, five out of five. Mm-hmm. I like the rest of the record. Pretty fair amount. And we talked about it. It's special, you know, um, Three and a half stars. I'm going to give it three. Okay. That feels that feels fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I think we both are talking about it. And like, I like the record. I think it's good. We're saying these nice things. We're talking about it and saying it's special. But I don't have a feeling that either of us are going to go revisit it and sit with the whole record again anytime soon. Yeah. That's the that's the thing about it. Yeah. Like, like there, there are some artists that I even if I don't know what they're talking about, I really want to know what they're talking about. Bono and U2 are not a band that I'm like, like, what is he really getting at? And, you know, running to stand still. I, I, I truly don't don't care. care. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I think that's the cherry. Sorry. That's the cherry. Shout out U2. Shout out uh, everybody listening. You can follow us (laughs) on Twitter and Instagram at tracks pod. And please send us emails at trackspod at gmail.com. Bono, send us the email. Hopefully you're happy. If not, we'll give you a different email. See you next week. <laughs>